I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries, and I have been teaching on Saturday the reasons for the coronavirus. The corona, it's not just the coronavirus, it's all of the plagues that we have. I read about the plagues several weeks ago uh, when you're talking about the bubonic plague where 75 between 75 million and 200 million people died worldwide. With the smallpox, which was another plague, there was 25 to 50 million people died. Even in all of these uh, pandemics like we had in America in 1918, uh, many, many people, just many, several million people died from that. This is all God's judgment because... The preachers have quit telling the truth. This has nothing to do with Democrats or Republicans. doesn't have anything to do with somebody uh, being behind the coronavirus or trying to propagate it. It has nothing. Even if evil men do that, God puts it in evil men's mind to do the evil that they do. And God said over there in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26, If you're not obedient to my commandments, I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the pestilence was all kinds of diseases. That's why it's here. It doesn't look like it's going to slow down, not even since the election's over. And uh, so what men have done, they, what Israel did, they celebrated Baal in the Grove while they were a nation in the ancient world. Uh, from First Samuel to Second Chronicles, Israel went after Baal, Grove, while they were nation. And this has to do with Christmas. Christmas is Christ Mass. And the Mass, you'll look at some dictionaries and they'll say the Festival of Christ. That doesn't mean having a festival with Christ. It's talking about eating Christ's literal body. And I put up here, Christmas is not literal eating human flesh. It is partaking of the body of Christ. What this really means, I'm going to try to explain to you this morning. Israel was involved in Sun and tree worship, sun and tree. All of the gods of the ancient world, whether it was Hercules or Venus, they're the two of the most popular names in mythology. Whether it was Hercules or Venus or Adonis or Ceres or Sybil, all of those were either tree goddesses or they were sun gods. Sun is represented by the fire upon the earth. The tree is represented by the moon, she was the moon goddess, and the moon was the keeper of the seasons. The Bible says in first chapter of Genesis, the moon numbered the seasons. And you had the first moon, the second moon, the third moon, and so forth. So Christmas was the sun and tree worship that Constantine brought in the church in in. 325 A.D. and renamed the Mass of Christ or Christ Mass. Now, that's not some opinion I have. 
That is history. That is history. And it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. There's a real good reason for that. That's because before the Puritans came to America, there were families in Europe over about 500 years. They multiplied and they preached the things that I preach, predestination. They did not believe in Catholicism. And the Roman Catholics organized what they called the Inquisition. And they had many forms of the Inquisition, the Roman Catholic Inquisition. Inquisition come from the word inquisitor. And they had a, a, a head of the Inquisition that would go out to these villages and take armies with them. And they would persecute these families, the Albigans family, the Huguenots, the Waldens family, the Cathars. And they had multiplied and became in the millions. Well, they tortured them, did everything from stripping their hide off of them, uh, disjoining them breaking their legs, they would cut their legs off and cut their arms off and put them out in the field and let them languish till they died. They did some real cruel things. Now, the Roman Catholics will even own up to the Inquisition and they will say, well, we only killed about 30,000, some will say. Some say, well, it was only 150,000. Only, well, most of the people have kept track of it said it was up in the millions, up to 50, 60 million people they tortured and killed. So these families, when they moved to America, they said, we will not have this papal worship in America because it comes out of paganism. And they outlawed Christmas and Easter and anything that has to do with Catholicism. By the way, just to mention Easter, they did not celebrate in the early church the resurrection of Christ once a year. Easter is not a Christian word. Easter was the goddess of spring. And they didn't celebrate yearly the resurrection of Christ. They celebrated that every first day of the week because that's the day he rose from the dead. And that's the whole purpose of meeting on the first day. It wasn't to switch uh, the Sabbath to uh, the first day of the week. That's not what it was for. And uh, they met on the first day of the week. Now, Israel celebrated sun and tree worship in the name of Baal and the grove. Anytime you see that in the Old Testament, that's what Israel's involved in. God says, I'll send these four judgments, the sword the famine, the pestilence, and then I'll send the beast. This has everything to do with the end of time. I believe that this coronavirus is just one of the final uh, pestilence that's upon the world and that, that God arranged evil men to bring it about so it would be here so that God's people will learn to repent and follow the truth. Now, Christmas is one of the doctrines that's absolutely false. I certainly believe in Jesus. I have. I was in. Uh, I was in Kroger's in uh, Kroger supermarket yesterday, and I had a shirt on that says "God does not love everybody." 
this one woman who worked for Kroger walked up to me and she said, that shirt puzzles me. I said, well, let me tell you about it. The Bible says that God loved Jacob and hated Esau before either one were born, before either one had done any good or evil. I said, but you have to know what the word love means. I said, you have two words for love in the Greek text that have been translated over to one word in the Bible, L-O-V-E. And I said, they don't even mean the same thing. One is the word phileo. I told her all of this. I said, one is the word phileo. And the other is the word agape. And I said, phileo just means to have affection or to like something or somebody. That's all it means. But I said agape was a relationship that fathers had for their children. And I said they gave them laws and they willingly walked in them. And I told her, I said, that's why Second John 6 says, this is love, this is agape, that we walk after his commandments. And I said, who got the commandments of God in the Old Testament? Was it not Israel received the commandments of God when Moses went up on the mountain? Israel got the commandments. Well, Jacob was Israel and his name was changed to Israel. I told her all about that. I said his name was changed to Israel in the 32nd chapter of Genesis. So therefore, God loved Jacob, but he didn't give Esau any of his commandments. That's the truth. And the last thing she said to me was, thank you for the education. And then she walked away. And I think she was listening. All my duty was, was to tell her the truth. That's all I'm trying to do. I told the lady at the at the Hendersonville Market, I gave her a DVD on Christmas. I said, all I'm trying to do is tell people the truth. I'm going to define the truth. Nobody that I know of is defining the truth. Now, I'm going to tell you about Israel went after this sun and tree worship. When you read, there's a... I've got articles on from out of McClinic and Strong. And it will tell you, when you look up Hercules in the McClinic and Strong, it will say the... Tyrian Baal. What it means is the Baal of Tyre. T-Y-R-E. Tyre was directly above Israel. It's what we call Lebanon. And that's where Israel got this worship. They got it from Tyre. Tyre is up here. If this is Israel, Tyre is the nation above it. Tyre and Sidon are Lebanon. And when Ahab married Jezebel, he brought her father's gods down here to Israel. And God said, if you go after other gods, I'll send these judgments. Well, they went after these gods full force. And his big sun god was Baal. And the tree goddess was the grove. And you'll find that in 1 Kings the 16th chapter where he brings that and right after that in first kings the 17th chapter elijah comes out of nowhere we hadn't even heard of him yet till then and he goes before the throne of of uh, ahab and says there'll be no rain for three and a half years i'm gone and he that you think that didn't bring famine 
brought tremendous famine and Israel was dying by the hundreds of thousands for three and a half years. The Bible says there wasn't even dew on the ground. Now, I'm going to try to show you, and it may take me several weeks to show you, it's something I've preached before, but I'm talking about the end of time. The last judgment God sends, the last judgment that he sends is the beast. That seems like a strange word to people. It is a beast because in Daniel 7 and in Revelation 13, the Bible will talk about the beast. The beast is a world system. God says, the last thing that I'll do when you go these 510 years under kings, and that's the amount of time that Israel was under kings, 510 years. They were 400 years, or 380 to 400 under judges, and they kept going after Baal in the grove. If you see B-A-A-L-I-M, B-A-A-L-I-Y-M, I-Y-M is plural, and the Bible says Israel had a God on every street. They had a Balaam on every street. That's the fire God. Now, they went after the same thing that Constantine brought in the church and called the Christ Mass. The reason Constantine brought Christmas into the church was because, I keep saying it, this is all history. I didn't make this up. If people read the right things, they would know the reason. See if I can find this here real quick. Right here. The reason Rome is right in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. The beast surrounds the sea. That's why the Bible says the beast comes up out of the sea. It was because Rome is right here. Before Rome, you had Greece. You had the, the beast with iron teeth was Rome. That was the fourth beast. The beast that was like a leopard was Alexander the Great from Greece. And then the beast before that was the Persian bear. That's what we call, that's what we call uh, Afghanistan and Iran and Pakistan. And then before that was the beast that was like a lion. That's what we call Iraq there that's got the Euphrates River running through it. And Babylon was on the Euphrates River. It was the most beautiful and regal of all the beasts. That's why they said it was like a lion. So that's the beast. And that's what God sent against Israel to carry them away into captivity because they went after this thing called Christ's Mass. That's not my opinion. That's historical truth. It's biblical truth. Now, people say, I don't see anything wrong with it as long as we are not doing it. As long as we're doing it for the glory of God, you cannot change the Word of God. God says in the 18th chapter, the verse 30 of Leviticus, Therefore shall you keep mine ordinance that you commit not any one of them these abominable customs. They're rituals. God is saying, I don't want you keeping the rituals of the heathen. 
They're worthless. And then he says in Deuteronomy 4, I quoted these last week, that we're not supposed to be adding or taking away from the Word of God. Christmas is adding to the Word of God. And then he says the same thing in Deuteronomy 18. He said, Deuteronomy 12, he says, when you come into the land, I don't want you finding out how these people serve their gods. I don't even want you knowing how, much less doing it, much less going after their gods. And he says, the word of God is pure in Proverbs 30. And he says over there in Jeremiah 10, it describes the Christmas tree to the T. Won't go into everything about the tree, but it was the tree goddess that Israel went after. So God says, I'm not going to put up with you from now and I'll send the beast. So he sends Babylon in to carry Israel away in 586 B.C. Northern Israel was carried away by Assyria, which was northern Babylon in 722 B.C. Then then Babylon was overthrown by the uh, Persian bear. The bear, because that, that it's the largest carnivore in the world, and Persia had the largest army that had ever existed, they would attack some some system with two and a half million men. And then they were subdued by Alexander the Great, the great military strategist. And he overcame the bear as a leopard, and the leopard being the honed killing machine. When a leopard comes after you, you're going to die. Maybe a bear will shake you and throw you down on the ground or a lion. The leopard comes to eat and to kill at night and can grab a 150-pound man and climb up into a tree with him in his mouth. Then the leopard was subdued. The four generals that took over Alexander the Great's empire, they were subdued by the beast with iron teeth, the Roman Empire, and that was all the Caesars. Now, I need to get to this, the whole point of this. The sometimes I don't. I've got so many things to say. Let me tell you where the Catholics, the Roman Catholics, got this this mass. The mass is eating human flesh. That's what it is. That's why I said the title: Christmas is not literal eating human flesh. It is partaking of the body of Christ. That's the Christmas festival. So it's what is what does all this really mean? And why did the Roman Catholics twist it? That's why they had the Inquisition. They'd go into a town and everybody that would not partake of the Mass, eating of that Eucharist, they would have some priest go along with them and supposedly change it into the literal body of Christ. This is a Roman Catholic book right here. It's called Inside Catholicism. And it shows a priest with the Eucharist, and he's going to raise it up like the sun rising, and then he's going to say that it turns into the little body and blood of Christ. That is the Christ Mass. Everything that has to do with Christmas is about that. Now let's go over here to John the 6th chapter. John 6. It boils down to a few verses, but it, but it takes many verses to explain it. Now here in John 6, 
Jesus says in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread. He's talking about spiritual things which came down from heaven. If any man will eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. Every time you see my flesh... It's always a form. My is not the word. My is a possessive pronoun. And if it referred to Jesus, it would be masculine gender. It's not. It's te or tes. Tes. It's one of these usually. Te, it's all feminine gender. Flesh is sarks. And what is the feminine flesh of Christ? Well, he says that the... How can I get into all of this? Let's look. Hold your place there. Let's go over to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. So the flesh is the bread, right? flesh let me put it this way the feminine flesh is the bread the feminine flesh is the bread now look here at on our way over there let's look at 1 Corinthians 10 and 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17. When the Catholics have taken, they took words out of this sixth chapter of John and they turned the Passover, the Passover was in Nisan. It's March, April. Our month, March, April. And they moved it back. They took the Passover and polluted it. They moved it back to December 17th through 24th, which was actually the Feast of Saturn. And they moved the Passover back here and called it the Mass. I called it the Christ Mass. Now here, this is a reference to the Passover in 1 Corinthians 10 and 16. The cup of blessing which we bless. Of course, they say that the cup of blessing is drinking the blood of Christ. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? There's only one thing wrong with that. According to Leviticus, Leviticus 17 
and verse 14, speaking of the blood of the, of the lamb that's offered, for it is the life of the flesh. The, this is verse 14 of Leviticus 17. For the life of the flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall, ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh. You can't drink blood of flesh, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. Cut off means to die. You can't drink blood. And then he says the same thing in Deuteronomy, the 12th chapter. He says in 12 and 16, Only you shall not eat the blood you shall pour it upon the earth as water. So whenever the Jews, they were not allowed to eat blood or eat human flesh. And that's what they say they're doing when they eat this body of Christ. Now, go back over to 1 Corinthians 10. The cup of blessing, that was the title for the third cup of the Passover. When Jesus took the cup and blessed it, and said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. He's not telling them to drink blood. To drink of a cup meant to undergo a death. I've got a track over here among my tracks. These are ones that I wrote about 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. Eat flesh and drink blood. Well, that's well, the Catholics took that and said, when you eat flesh, you actually eat the literal body of Christ. And we utter the words hoc es corpus infoli and it turns into the little body and blood of Christ well that's against God's law to eat human flesh and drink blood it was an idiom among the Jews then he says cup of blessing that's the one that Jesus held up at the last literal Passover the cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Now, we said over here that the bread is the body. Didn't we say that in John 6, 51? The bread that we give is my flesh, and the flesh is the body. You're going to find that. The flesh is the bread. The bread. The bread equals the body. Let's keep reading over there. First Corinthians ten sixteen. The bread which we break is not the communion of the body of Christ. For we being many are one bread and one body. When Jesus said, Take eat this is my body, how many bodies are there? That's the point. There's one body. So the bread is the body. We being many are one bread and one body. The bread equals the body. And the flesh equals the bread. Therefore the flesh and the bread and the body are all the same. Then let's read that next verse. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread or one body. So we partake. In one sense, we eat of the body. 
but that's not putting the flesh in our mouth and chewing it. So we partake of the body. Now let's let's go over here to Ephesians. Then we'll work our way over to work our way to Hebrews. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I'll just put some of these together for you. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and verse four. There is one body. There's one body. There is not a mystical body, some that Christ enters into this cracker, this so-called wafer, and he becomes the wafer. That's not it. If you leave idiomatic language, you've left the truth. So there's one body, and you can back up in Ephesians, the third chapter. In Ephesians, the third chapter, Paul says God has made how that by revelation he has made unto me known unto me the mystery verse 3 chapter 3 verse 3 the mystery as I wrote of four in few words there's a mystery of Christ the mystery of Christ let me erase some of this I'm going to erase that title I need the room to write on the word mystery is musterian. It means the facts that are unrevealed. Mystery is an exact opposite word to reveal. When you reveal something, you take the cover off. Mystery is when the cover is still on and nobody knows. Well, there's a mystery of Christ, musterian. Mosturian comes from the word muo, meaning to shut the mouth. And we get our word mute from that. It means not to tell secrets or not tell anything. There's a mystery that's only revealed. The word revealed is the word apo, K-A-L-U-P. T.O. Apocalypto. That's the word revealed. Let me move the pulpit out of the way. And does this have to do with Christmas exactly? All right. Move this over here. The word reveal, apocalypto, we get the word revelation from that. It means to remove the cover. Revelation is not a mysterious book. Apocalypto means to off with the calypto, which is the word cover. Off with the cover. Well, who does he reveal himself to there in Luke, the 10th chapter? He reveals himself to whomsoever he will. And that's the few that go through the narrow way. Straight is the gate and now is the way that leads to eternal life. And only a few... Oligos, a puny number find that narrow way. 
Most people in the world are going to hell when they die because they're not in the mystery of God. So he tells you what the mystery is here in the third chapter of Ephesians. He says how that how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. There's another mystery. Does anybody remember what that is? There's two mysteries. The mystery of iniquity. And iniquity is the word anomia, A-N-O-M-I-A. It's a construction of the word nomos, which is the Greek word law, and the alpha privative. The alpha negates the word. It means no law. Those who operate outside of Christ, those that are inside of Christ, he requires that we're obedient to him, and he puts us through fire and trials to make sure that we obey him. Now look what he says right after this. He made known to me a mystery. How about when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Sons of men was an ancient term for Gentiles. In the Old Testament times, the mystery was not revealed to the Gentiles. But who is he writing to here? He's writing to a Gentile Ephesian church. So he says, this is your hope. In other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And here's the mystery, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body. Gentiles. Gentiles. And keep thinking, when Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body, he's not talking about putting a literal body in his mouth. There's one body, and the Gentiles are of the same body. So the body is the bread, it's the flesh, and everything that the flesh is. Well, let me go ahead and give you something in Colossians. In Colossians. So when God, when Jesus says, take eat, this is my body, he's going to tell you what it means. In Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So when he's talking about partaking of the body, what's he talking about? In Colossians 1, 18 and 24. 1, 18. He is the head of the body, the church. So what he's saying, he's not saying eat of the church by putting the church in your mouth. The body equals the church. And there's one body, and the body is the bread, and the bread is the flesh. It's all the same thing. Now, where do I need look down in verse 22. And the body of his flesh through death. 
It's not his flesh, it's Tay Sarks. Tay Tase Sarks. S S A R X or the flesh. It's feminine gender. When you see something referring to the flesh of Christ, it's talking about the flesh, the bread, which is the church, the body. The body is the church. Well, how's the church feminine? It's the wife the bride of Christ. So when you see the flesh, it's talking about the church every time. It's feminine gender. He's not talking about his physical body as a female body, is he? No possible way. How do you find that out? You go into an interlinear Bible and you got all, you, it will show you if it's feminine, masculine gender, or neuter gender. But you have to understand what is masculine, feminine, neuter, gender? You got to have a chart of some kind. I go and I find out, and I usually know the masculine or feminine. I know that Ada always ends a word or on the end of a word is feminine gender. So this is talking about the church. And look down here in verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Now, I haven't looked up my flesh, but I'm quite sure it's the feminine flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So his body is the church. So anytime he's saying, take, eat, this is my body, he's talking about partake of the church, isn't he? He's not talking about eat a literal Roman Catholic body where they call the body down into the, call the God down into the body. They did that in the ancient world among the pagans. Let's go back. Let's go back over here to to John 6. John 6. Let's read 51 again. I am the living bread. We being many are one bread and one body. Which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. Well, let's go slow on this. Go back over to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. I love putting these things together. This is simple algebra. If things that are equal to the same thing are equal to each other. All this that you find that's equal to one another. Then he says, down here in verse 19, chapter 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. 
The holiest was the holy of holies. That's the inner sanctuary that had the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark was the law written on tables of stone. Tables of stone. And it also had Aaron's rod. Rod that budded. That was resurrection. And then it had the cup of manna. And that's a picture of Christ. And the Bible speaks in this veil inside the veil was called the house of God. And the Bible says in the New Testament, Christ is a son of his own house, whose house are we. We're this house of God now, and our hearts have the law written on tables of stone, and our hearts have the bread in it, we being many are one bread, bread, and it has the rod Ecclesiastes, I mean, excuse me, Hebrews 1 and 8. Hebrews 1 and 8. The rod is in our hearts. We rule with the scepter of righteousness. That's the rod. Word scepter is rabdos. It means a ruling rod. And then this veil here is what we're talking about. It's going to match up with these up here. Let's keep reading. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies. Only one person can go into the Holy of Holies. And who was that? Once a year, the high priest would take the blood off of the the blood of a goat off of this brazen altar, he would go in and sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant seven times. Just a little short synopsis. I'm not going to go through all that he did. And the high priest now is Melchizedek. Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. When he was nailed to the cross, Aaron quit. Aaron and his sons quit being the high priest, and it was passed to Jesus, according to Hebrews seven. The high priest would come from another tribe, from the tribe of Judah. From the tribe of Judah, the priest would come. That would be Jesus, and he would come in and sprinkle our hearts. But the thing we're uh, we're interested in right here is this veil. Now let's read about it. We would enter in with the blood of Jesus Christ by a new living way. You see that word way? It's the word hodos. There's only one way into eternal life. That's the narrow way. Narrow is the word thalibo. Thalibo comes from the word thalipsis. 
which is the word tribulation. The libo is the verb. The lipsis is the noun. Tribula- we must and must tribulation. So we, you can say the method into the veil is tribulation. It's a tribulation hodos. That's very figurative language. You can't just come up so I don't see what that means. You have to understand tribulation is the narrow way to eternal life and only a few will find it. But let's look and see what the veil is. This is figurative. By in living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. So the veil veil equals the flesh of Christ. Well, that's what separates the outer sanctuary from the house of God. So when you come in here, that's the high priest coming into the house. When Christ comes in and sprinkles our hearts, and our hearts are sprinkled in Hebrews 10.22. And a blood baptism was a death. So that would take us into blood baptism. The Catholics are not going to go on this. Even the Baptists are not going to go into all of this. It's too much. So the tribulation way is the narrow way into the house of God, but only the high priest can go in there and sprinkle our hearts. In First Peter 1 and 2. 1 and 2. We're elected unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Christ, a blood baptism, that's a death. That's a martyrdom. Now, we're talking about What is this talking about when they're talking about eat flesh and drink blood? All right. Where do I need to go? Let's go back over here to the 6th chapter of John. Back to the 6th chapter. You have to go from one to the other in order to fully explain this. 6th chapter of John... If you miss figurative language, you will never understand this. It's the same thing as when we use figures of speech. If I walk up to some guys and I say, What's up? One of them points up and say, Well, the bird's up there and there's a plane and there's the top of a tree and there's a building. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a figure of speech. If I say, I've been... Got it straight from the horse's mouth. And somebody says, have you been talking to a horse? No. That's a figure of speech. It means I got it from the original source. So if you don't understand these figures of speech, you're never going to understand the Bible. It's figurative. If I said the guy was driving as fast as lightning, it didn't mean he could go that fast. That's faster than... That's faster than the speed of light. 186,000 miles per second. We use figures of speech. Why can't they use theirs? 
And that's what this is talking about. It's figurative. Now look over here in John 6. Let's take up where we left off. So we found out the flesh is the veil. The flesh is the bread. The bread is the body. And the next thing we're going to see is flesh is the truth. Look at this. So it's the veil that goes into the Holy of Holies. It comes into our heart. But the heart is doesn't mean the aorta and the right ventricle and the left ventricle and the and the bicuspid valve and the tricuspid valve. That's not what the heart means. Heart means the place of understanding. Place of understanding. Now, let's keep reading in John 6, verse 51. The bread that I will give is my flesh. There, right in the middle of the verse, which I will give for the life of the world. And the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? We don't understand that. You might as well be have a Catholic there explaining it to them. What do you mean you don't understand? We call him spirit down into this body. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, but it's against Jewish law to eat flesh and drink blood. What does that mean? That was an ancient Jewish idiom. Eat flesh and drink blood meant to partake in a slaughter. And we are, according to Romans, the 8th chapter, the very end of the chapter, we are lambs to the slaughter. We're lambs to the slaughter because we tell people the truth and they don't like it. And you'll find to eat flesh and drink blood in Ezekiel, the 39th chapter, and in Revelation the 19th chapter. You'll find that idiom of the Jews. In fact, let's look at that real quick. Go to Ezekiel, the 39th chapter. Ezekiel 39. I'm going to try to get through this. I don't know if I can. All right. Not in one day. Ezekiel, the 39th chapter, is talking about the end of time. When God comes back to destroy Gog and Magog, and you'll find Gog and Magog in that 20th chapter of Revelation. The 39th chapter, this is a Jewish idiom. And this will be at the end of time, verse 17. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, speak unto every feathered fowl, And to every beast of the field, assemble yourselves and come gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, calling the fowls of the air, the beasts of the field. He's going to call the bears, going to call the wolves, going to call the eagles. He's going to call. There's going to be too many dead people at the end of time in order to have them put into a 
into a mortuary and hold funerals for all of them. So God's got his method of cleaning all these millions or billions of dead people up. Even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty men that I destroy and drink the blood of the princes of the earth and of the rams and lambs and of goats and bullocks and all of them of fatlings of Bashan. And look over here in Revelation. In Revelation, I'll go back to John 6. Revelation, the 19th chapter. Revelation 19, Christ is coming back on a great white horse. This is very figurative. In verse 11, 19, I saw a heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. In righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. People wrestle over what the name of God is. It's called the Word of God. He is the I Am. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword you see that sharp sword which is the word of God in the first chapter you find in Hebrews the fourth chapter that the word of God is sharp quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, To all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. All these billions of people are going to be dead. That you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and great, bond and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. How do they make war with Christ? How are they going to do that? Get a bunch of missiles out here and point them up in the sky and shoot them out of the sky? They make war with his wife, the church, with his flesh. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them and had had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image and those both that were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone and the remnant were slain with the sword and this is where all the fowls of the air and the wild animals are going to come and eat flesh and drink blood out of the forest and wherever they are and that sat upon the throne 
and the sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now let's go back to John 6. And let's resume where we left off. We read 53 again. Jesus said, Verily I say, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you unless you partake in the great slaughter. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Then verse 55, he tells you what eat flesh and drink blood means. The Roman Catholics have raised up a Eucharist. Utter those what hocus corpus infili. I've got a book called Word Histories. I was looking up Hocus Pocus one time, and they say Hocus Pocus comes from hoc est corpus eum. F-I-L-I. That's what they tell us. And that's supposed to be the utterance over the Eucharist. And they say in this Word History book, that we get the word hocus, pocus. Hocus, pocus, presto, changeo. Instead of presto, changeo, the Roman Catholics say that turns into literal body and blood of Christ. And that's not what it's, that's a bunch of hocus, pocus. We get the word hoax from that. It's a hoax. The mass is a hoax. Now, let's read what it means. For my flesh is meat indeed. When he says, eat my flesh, isn't he saying, partake of the bread? Since the flesh is the bread, partake of the veil. Isn't he saying, partake of the body? The body there's one body. There's not two bodies, a mystical body that the Roman Catholics call the Eucharist down into. I got a book by Jack Chick. It's got a bunch of illustrations in it. And one of the illustrations is when they call Jesus down from heaven, it shows Jesus diving out of this cloud and coming down. He says, here I come, ready or not. He goes down to a Eucharist, goes, bam, hits the Eucharist. It just says wham on it. I thought that was comical because that's about all it means. It don't mean nothing. But see, the Baptists won't call down the Catholics because they've changed that Passover, the last Passover. They've changed that into, they've changed it into communion, eating crackers and drinking grape juice. That's not what they were doing. They were eating the last Passover. Now the Passover is spiritual. We told you what the Passover was in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, 17. The cup of blessing, the one that Jesus took and blessed it, said this cup is the New Testament in my blood. When he said that, Boy, there's much explanation to that because testament is the word diatheke. It means last, will, and testament. 
And the Bible says that a testament has no validity, no force over there in Hebrews. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter, there's no force to a testament till the death of the testator. So when Jesus reached out to hand them the cup and said, this cup is my last will and testament, he doesn't mean you're going to partake of my last will and testament by drinking this grape juice. Until he's dead about 18 hours later, the cup will have no significance. And they're not going to gather around the cross after he's dead and say, okay, has everybody got their grape juice? To drink of a cup meant to undergo a death. Jesus asked James and John, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Can you drink the cup that I drink of? And Jesus said the night before he died, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. I'll tell you what, if you've got the McClellan Strong look-up cup, it'll give you some, and it'll tell you, to drink of a cup meant to taste death. So he wasn't talking about drinking the grape juice that night. They were partaking of the Passover. He was saying, every one of you are going to have to drink the cup, and you're going to die the death after I'm dead. And that's a biblical fact. Then he says here, My flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Indeed, this is what it means to eat flesh and drink blood, whether anybody likes it or not. This is what it means. When you eat flesh and drink blood, you drink indeed. Indeed is A-L-E-T-H-E-S. Alethes means of truth. You eat flesh, you eat of truth. So if you eat flesh, you eat of truth. I can't even spell. Eat of truth. Well, if you eat of truth, it's in your heart. You eat of truth. So, so truth would equal to the flesh, would equal to the bread, would equal to the body, would equal to everything that truth is. What else is truth? John seventeen seventeen. Thy word is truth. So you're eating of the word of God. When you eat of the body of Christ... The body, you're eating of the bread, you're eating of the flesh, you're partaking of the veil inside the house of God, you're eating of the truth, you're eating of the word of God. There's another thing that the truth is. John fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, John sixteen, twenty six, John sixteen, thirteen, first John five and six. The Spirit is the truth. You're eating of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is truth. And anything that truth is equal to, or the Word is equal to, and the Word is Jesus, isn't it? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So you're eating of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Word, the truth, the flesh, the bread, the body, the church. 
how do you eat of the church? How do you eat of the body? When let's look well let me read that next verse. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. He's in us because we've partaken of the Holy Spirit that's down in our hearts, right? Notice how this all comes together as we go through it. It's like one, and you can go to anything that these things equal to. So it's all the same thing. The flesh, the veil, and the inside the veil is the house of God, and that's us. That's us. House. Inside the veil. The truth. The Word. The Holy Spirit. The flesh. The body. The church. You're actually drinking the last will and testament of Christ. And when you go out and you tell, aletheis means of truth. It comes from A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A, which is the word truth. And when you, truth is, Alethea comes from Lanthano. Lanthano means to lie hid or conceal. The alpha privative, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, when it's in front of a word, is a negative particle. It'll say negative part in your means negative particle. It negates the word. It means not to hide anything. When you don't hide the truth about the Christ Mass, and you are, that's when you're partaking of the body, the flesh, the truth, the Word of God, and that's when people want to kill you for telling them the truth. And, you, and they will bring about a death in you. And death, remember, does not mean annihilation. It doesn't mean to do away with. It means separation. It means separation. So when you take off the cover and you expose people for their lies, they're going to separate from you. When I tell people the truth, I'm always... This lady I told the truth to earlier. I've given her DVDs before. She looks at me like... <laughs> it's kind of a funny look. Like I said, well, I know this scares people. It's supposed to. But I said, it's a historical truth. It's history. It's biblical truth. But nobody wants to put this together. Not preachers of any kind. Not even the best scholars in America... Not even John MacArthur wants to put this together. And he's the best, most scholarly man I can think of. And he believes Christmas is okay as long as you do it for Jesus. I got something I got to read. John, this is for you. How much time do I have, Mike? 26. This is a paper I wrote one year. I wrote this. I didn't get it from somebody. And it's a prayer. It's called, Jesus, You Wouldn't Mind. I wrote this, I don't know, 25 years ago, I suppose. Jesus, I know you told us the customs of the heathen are vain, not to learn the way of the heathen. 
And I know you told us that philosophy, philosophos, man's wisdom, and I know that you said vain deceit and traditions of men and rudiments of this world will spoil us and lead us into captivity, which is darkness, if we follow these traditions. And Jesus, I realize you told us not to add or diminish from your word in Deuteronomy four twelve and 18. And I know you said in your word that your word is pure in Proverbs 30 and 5 and Proverbs 17 and 27. And Jesus, I understand you said your word is unchangeable in Malachi 3, 6. But Jesus, I know you won't mind if we keep a drunken festival in your honor. As long as we change the name so it sounds kind of Christian, even if it is fire worship, you won't mind, will you? Now, Jesus... We're not going to be able to stop the drunks and the pagan worshipers from continuing to keep their ancient customs. There will still be a record number of suicides this time of the year. And the poor will feel oppressed. But we'll take a dinner to them at Xmas time and tell them we'll be back next year. And Jesus, there will be a record number of wrecks from drunken drivers. And the liquor stores will be thrilled to see the season come. Jesus, you'll really like this. Playboy puts out a special Christmas edition. Adultery will run rampant as husbands and wives abandon their vows at Christmas parties. And you'll be real happy when you hear my idea, Jesus. We've gone back in history, found fire worshippers of the ancient world who had a festival that started December the 17th till December the 25th, the birthday of their fire god, Hercules or Mithra or Nimrod. And they worship pagan gods. Now, Jesus, here's my idea. We're going to take this drunken festival that they call the festival of Saturn or Saturnalia And we're going to put your name on it, okay? And we'll call it Christ Mass, and we'll drop an S to disguise it, okay? They offered their children in the fire and ate them, but I assure you that even though the most, that most of the world will be celebrating this festival the same way they've done thousands of years before they were born, I want you to believe me when I tell you we won't do it that way. And when they ask us why we're dragging the church into something so evil, I'll tell them we don't do it that way. We're using paganism to glorify God. Jesus, doesn't that make you happy? You don't mind, do you? After all, preachers say it's okay as long as we use pagan festivals to spread the gospel. If they say it, you won't mind, will you? I promise, Jesus, we're not going to keep the customs like the heathen, of the heathen like they kept them. We're going to keep them different. You won't mind, will you, Jesus? 
Now I want us to go over here to Matthew, the 26th chapter. Matthew 26. How can you eat of the body? Matthew 26. Well, I flipped off to the wrong book. Matthew 26. The Baptists have changed this chapter as well as the only place you find the last literal Passover. Let me erase all this. The only place you find the last literal Passover is five places in the Bible. Matthew 26. This is the last confrontation with Jesus and his apostles. He's going to be taken that night, taken for Pilate the next morning, and be crucified. Mark 14. Luke 22. And John 13. And 1 Corinthians 11 is going to repeat these words that was said at this last Passover. Now look here. They were not calling Jesus' body down into the his spirit, into the literal body of Christ. And that literal wafer, that cracker, that's not what they were doing. This is one of the reasons... I'm just going to remind you, this is one of the reasons because of what they did changing the Word of God. God says, my Word never changes. The fact that they changed the Word of God to insert Christmas instead of the last Passover. What happened to the Passover? The Bible says it has to be here as a memorial forever. What happened to it? In these chapters... That's the last literal Passover. And it became the spiritual Passover. Did not pass away. It was blotted out. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. Colossians 2.14. Which was contrary to us. Took it out of the way. Nailing it to his cross. Doing it away with one contract. This was a contract. They would take the contracting parties, the two original witnesses, says everybody in agreement, we're going to drive a nail through it and invalidate the literal. Because the law came in two ways. It became in the letter and the spirit. The letter killeth. The letter killeth, the spirit giveth life. It was actually the Spirit right over here. Spiritual Passover. The literal was here. That's these verses here. That's the last literal Passover. And the Bible says so. It doesn't say crackers and grape juice. 
there's several reasons we prove that this is the Passover, not crackers and grape juice. Two particular things. When Jesus said, the one who dips in the sop with me, that was bitter herbs. That was a part of the Passover. And they were in a triclinium room. They didn't have that stupid picture by Leonardo da Vinci where everybody's sitting on one side of the table. They're all over here and looking out at the camera. That's dumb. This, that's disgusting. Leonardo da Vinci was a homosexual. What are you expecting to know about the Bible? Didn't know nothing. Let's look here at the... And proof that they were at a holy convocation was the fact that they were at a triclinium table. We know that when John laid his head, when it says John had his head upon the breast of Christ, he wasn't going leaning his head over like that, like that stupid picture. He was laying down, prone upon a table. To lay in the bosom of the man behind you, you leaned back, you were laying you were laying on your arm, and to talk to the man behind you, you leaned back into his bosom. That's proof they were at a triclinium. Triclinium means three sided table where the waiter come in there and they would lay everybody's plate down in front of them. You would lean on your left arm and you'd lean back to talk to the man behind you. That means John was right in front of Jesus. That's proof that it was the Passover. It wasn't crackers and grape juice. Good night. I don't know of anybody that's dug into this more than I have because that bothered me as a little kid didn't it bother you when I'd pass around the cracker and everybody had to hold it had to hold the cracker you had to tarry that's not what that meant it meant wait for the poor to come at this festival this agape love feast that you find in the 11th chapter of 1st Corinthians it was a time they gathered together on the first day of the week to take offerings for the poor that's why we take offerings for the poor and to and to keep food for them till they got there and give them offerings. Jesus and Paul said, "You got, you can eat at home. Don't come here and eat up all the food for the poor." Said so that in the eleventh chapter of First Corinthians. And everybody's waiting to pass around those little cups of grape juice. Is everybody got their cup? Okay, let's all drink it together. That's dumb. It's not what they were doing. In fact, when you read 26 and 2, you know that after two days, the Feast of Passover would be here. And then in verse 17, Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where wilt thou that we should pray for thee to eat crackers and grape juice? It doesn't say that. It says Passover. They're going to eat the Passover. And then... On down the next verse. My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. Then he says in verse 19, the disciples did as Jesus appointed them and they made ready the Passover. They were eating the Passover. And as they did eat the Passover, 
Verily I say unto you, one shall betray me. And he says that he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, in verse 3, it says the sop, and the sop was in the middle of the table. That's probably not theologically correct there. Not for the last Passover, but they would put the food out here, and they never did eat with unwashed hands. That was a ritual the Pharisees did. Their hands were their utensils. So they're eating the Passover. And you get down to verse 26. As they were eating, what? The Passover. Not the Christ Mass, not the body of Christ. Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. The word is esteem. One of the words means means or meaneth my body. It represents my body. He's saying this represents my body. He was acting out a contract. They performed all of their contracts with a little one-act play. You got that all through the Old Testament when Ezekiel laid down on his left side. Look at that real quick. In Ezekiel. Do I have any time, Mike? Twelve. Twelve? Yes. Okay, Ezekiel. Over here in verse, in chapter, I believe it's four. In chapter four, this is a contract being acted out by Ezekiel. Thou also, son of men, take thee a tile, a piece of clay that's been baked. Take a tile and lay it before thee and portray upon it, act out an event. Portray, cock, C-H-A-Q-A-Q. Enact. But have this little one-act play. And portray upon it the city of Jerusalem and lay siege against it. Take this little, look like you're playing with a piece of baked clay. And lay siege against it as a fort against it. And do this little performance before the people and tell them this is what's going to happen to you, Israel. And cast a mount against it. Maybe a little dirt mountain. You'll pile a bunch and pile it against it. He's acting out a contract. And set the camp against it and set battering rams against it round about. He's not talking about literal battering rams. Take little sticks and call them battering rams. It looks like a kid playing with toys. And what he's doing, he's performing a contract about their destruction. Because they're not destroyed yet. Ezekiel was carried away in the second deportation. And not until 586 will they be destroyed. He's acting out what's going to happen in 586. Moreover, take thou unto thee an iron pan and set it for the wall of iron between thee and the city. So he's laying down on the ground, got this iron pan, setting it between him and this tile little wall, supposed to be. He's just acting out a contract. And set thy face against it, and it shall be besieged, and thou shalt lay siege against it. This shall be a sign to the house of Jerusalem. 
Lie thou upon my left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. The iniquity is going after Baal and the grove, and Shemash and Molech, and all of that. According to the number of the days that thou wilt lie upon it, thou shalt bear their iniquity. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity, according to the number of days, 390 days. 390 years was from the revolt of the ten tribes to the destruction of Jerusalem. Thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when thou hast accomplished them, lie again upon thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty years. I have appointed unto thee a day for a year. Forty years included among the sum of the 390 years Jeremiah prophesied to Israel for 40 years and they rejected it. So this is a contract. Now go back over here. That's what's happening over here. When Jesus took bread, he took the cup. As the reading, he took bread and blessed it and break it and said, eat of my body. How many bodies are there? There's one. He's saying, eat, esteem. I'm talking about this represents my body. And the body's the church. He's not telling them what they're going to do that night. He's telling them what they're going to do after he's dead about 18 hours later. And he took the cup and gave thanks. That's the cup of blessing, the third cup of the Passover. We're in a spiritual Passover. They had a Passover lamb. Jesus is called the Passover lamb in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. There was a cup of blessing, the third cup of the Passover, third cup. We find that in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the 16th verse. And they had a Unleavened bread for seven days. We being many are one bread and body. One body, unleavened bread. That's in the 17th verse, right there. And then they had bitter herbs. That's the sop over here. This is not Christmas. This is... We're in a constant Passover, and the Lord says, I'll make you to drink wormwood, which was a bitter herb, when you go after other gods. It was more or less the same thing as the pestilence. And the famine. That's what the bitter herbs would be. That's the four items of the Passover. And we're in it now. But if you don't believe that, you don't really believe the truth. Now, how do we eat something spiritual? Do I have any time? Six. Look over here in John. In John, the fourth chapter. John 4. How do we eat something? I've got to go through 
the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians to go with this because have you noticed 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians has all of these Passover terms in it 1 Corinthians the 12th chapter the 10th chapter and the 5th chapter that's all Passover all of it actually 1 Corinthians 11th chapter 1 Corinthians 11 is also in on this because these words are quoted in the 11th chapter so I got to go through the 11th 12th chapter these verses here and the 5th chapter of 1 Corinthians Passover 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 and it's all spiritual now Look in this fourth chapter of John. Jesus had been talking to this woman at the well of Samaria. And his apostles are the disciples in verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with this woman at the well of Samaria. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why, ta- why are you talking to her? The woman The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meantime, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have a meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Has somebody brought Jesus food? We didn't bring him any. We just got here. from. We went into town to get something to eat. And Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do. Meat is doing. That's not something you put in your mouth. And chew on. You remember the word law in the Greek? He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. He said it is to do and finish His work. It's to do and finish. That's my meat. It's not something I'm going to put in my mouth and chew. When He said, this is my body, Take eat, this is my body. He's talking about partaking of the church. And we'll get to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Straightens it all out. He says the same thing over in Matthew, the 24th chapter. He said, it's to do the will of my Father. When I think of spiritual meat, I think of the word nomos, the Greek word law. Nomos is the Greek word law. And it means legally prescribed. It's prescribed by God. Food for animals. In our case, sheep. So this would be legally, no most Greek word law, be legally prescribed food for sheep. 
when you place the alpha in front of nomos, translates anomia, iniquity. It means no food of God. And where did that start? In the garden. With the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat over there. If you do, that's not legally prescribed food. And I'll go into that next week. And he says in Matthew, the. I'll end with this. 20. You say, Jim, you've talked about this so many times. I just wonder if everybody's getting a hold of it. We have a meat to eat of in the 24th chapter. And this is meat that's doing. It's not meat that you chew on, not in your mouth. Verse 45, 24. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household? Well, that's household is us. Remember the word dispensation is the same word as stewardship. Oikonomia. O-I-K-O-N-O-M-I-A. comes from oikos and nomos. It means the house law. Oikonomia is our word me. If you say oikonomia real fast, oikonomia economy. When you look in Webster's and look up economy, it says it comes from the ancient word oikonomia. And it's also the word stewardship, and steward is the word oikonomos. So this is talking about he's a ruler over the household to give them meat in season. He's giving them meat, blesses that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing the meat. Meat is something you do so you partake of the body of Christ. You partake of all of that. It's not Christmas. The Roman Catholics have got it wrong, and so do the Baptists. And so do the Church of Christ. It's not brassing around crackers and grape juice. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. This is a thrill to be able to see these things in Scripture. We pray that you'll give us strength to continue this work. Open up doors for the ministry that we can get this message out to the world. I don't even know what to ask for anymore. I'll just do what I can, Lord. You you do what you want. It is your pleasure. Cause us all to bow to your will and do your truth. Fight our battles. I can't fight no more, Lord. I'm tired. In Jesus' name, amen.